Hello and welcome to the Crack and Banter podcast. It's me, Reese, and my co-host, Luke Mackay. Luke, how are you doing? I am very well, thank you for having me on the Crack and Banter podcast. I was happy to have you on. This is a podcast where we talk about movies and TV shows and all sorts of stuff and what's made up every week and just basically talking about whatever we want. Luke, how have you been? Uh, I've not been too bad. Uh, had a busy week this week, just a lot of university work, so um, I'm glad to be at the weekend for a bit of a break. Some R and R, bit of tender love and care. Feeling. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, I've been feeling a little bit this week, doing some work, but taking some time, as you say, bit of R and R, treating yourself mm. with, uh, in this weather, you know, keeping well. Um, but I'm yeah. happy to be back on. Love recording the podcast on a Friday. Is it something to do? Uh, we have some news this week. Um, a few different things. But starting off with some very good news. This actually happened last week. However, I forgot to announce it. Um, but last week, we hit 100 listens. Just over 100 listens on our podcast. Uh, which is awesome. Um, I was very, very happy to achieve that milestone, I think. You know, to, to some people that might not seem like loads, to other people it seems like everything. To us, I, I know that's a, a really big deal. And just massive thank you to everyone who's listened, uh, whether you are a friend of ours or not. And um, thank you to, for listening. It's, it's really fun to be able to do this. And it makes it even better to be able to do it for people who are listening, you know, rather than just us talking to each other for no reason. So that was a really, really nice thing to achieve. Uh, so, do we have a Squarespace sponsorship yet? Not just yet. I'm, I'm waiting though. One of these days, <laughs> the emails are open for sponsors. So, if you know anyone, any corporate people, tell them to get in touch. The theme's already gone to the, my head of growing the podcast. You, you are, yeah. you are restricting my creative flow. You're gonna break out for your solo yeah. career. Yeah. The podcast would be interesting. Yeah, actually, probably not, because then I would have to do the editing and production. That is true. I'm sure there's some people who listen who would much prefer if it was only you, but as you say, you then have to do all the behind the scenes, and I don't know if you'd uh, you'd quite enjoy that part. What what people don't know though is, I'm like Pepper, right? Right. right. I think I accentuate your tasty dish. Mm, but you. You, you wouldn't you wouldn't just get like a spoonful of pepper and eat it that is true yes it's you a strong taste yeah you pair it with you as i said your tasty dish because you're a tasty I'd dish say, oh well thank you very much i'd say it's more like you're the you're the ripple in a raspberry ripple you know you couldn't just eat that mm. the whole time it's it's very strong so where i am the vanilla ice cream it is you know a, a smooth and nice enough flavor but when you get to those gold little nuggets of raspberry that's that's you that's what you're here for you know we work best together uh, <laughs> I, I you know what, i'll take that I, I think but yes a big thank you for 100 listens that feel, felt great to, to pass that so we're we're definitely getting there look we're not doing this for no one that that makes me happy well it's news to me uh, i i thought we were <laughs> Well, for a long time, we were. Until we started recording this podcast, we had these conversations anyway. It was literally yeah. setting up a microphone. Uh, mm. So it really wasn't too much of a change for us. 
Yeah, this is just um, building up a dossier of evidence for the prosecution. Yeah. Um, but we have some other news. Uh, not not loads of news this week compared to last week. Last week was very news heavy, but a couple of things. We got um, the official Spider-Man trailer for the new Spider-Man movie, uh, No Way Home. Did you see anything coming out about, or not trailer, sorry, title? Um, did you see anything coming up about these titles? Did you see any of that social media stuff? Uh yeah, I, I I saw the sort of build up where the different actors tweeted out uh, th- their titles, but then obviously I don't think any of those three actually wear the title. And then I saw the wee video they did, which I thought was quite fun, especially if you yeah, paused, did. if you paused on the whiteboard, you got all the wee jokes, which I quite enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, so for anyone who who hasn't kept up with these things, because we maybe aren't uh, as much of a nerd as us. Um, the three actors, from, three of the leads from the Spider-Man, current MCU Spider-Man movies, so Tom Holland, Zendaya, and the actor who plays Ned, I cannot remember his name. Um, but Who's got a He has, yeah. Uh, but they all posted different uh, posters to their different social medias, but each of their posters, they had different titles, different fake titles for the new Spider-Man movie, and then it was revealed uh, a, a day or two after the actual title, which is Spider Man No Way Home, uh, which I, I think is fun. I don't know if that is meant to allude to anything about this potentially being a multiverse movie, if that's got anything to do with it, if those other titles are clues, or if it was just a, a bit of a funny joke about uh, Tom Holland, obviously, is quite famous for spoiling things in the MCU, so maybe it was a bit of a joke about that. I'm not really sure. Do you think any, any wild theories look? I mean, I I think I think with the Spider Man uh, titles, it's kind of been like, well, the first one was literal because it was just the homecoming thing it was like the end of the movie. But I mean, Far From Home, whilst it did go far from home, I mean the movie concluded at home, so I don't think it's particularly hard. I don't think there's anything to particularly divulge from that title. I think, I mean, I think it's probably more based on the fact that the moment he's going to be on the run because of what happened at the end of the second movie. Uh, I, don't, I, would, yeah, I didn't think about that, yeah. Yeah, I, I would sort of, I would expect that it will subvert expectations. I mean, one and two were very good at that. They sort of, you know, Spider-Man movies in the past sort of, played things quite straight because the movie was more of a vehicle for Spider-Man to exist in. Uh, but I think now with those Marvel Spider-Man movies, they've been a bit different, a bit wacky, which is kind of a weird yeah. verb. I think <laughs> sort of, it's one of those ones where you just say that a word because it's the one that comes into your head rather than having, wanting the pause to think of something better. <laughs> They are oh. wacky though. I think it's a good it's a good word. Yeah. So I, I think I think the multiverse will figure in because I think that's obviously gonna be the next overarching storyline for the MCU. I think it'll be interesting to see how that factors in. I think we might see an appearance from Toby Maguire's Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. I mean to be fair, Dan. I mean, obviously, Tobey Maguire was an excellent Spider-Man. I, I think Andrew Garfield 
doesn't get enough credit. I think he played Peter Parker very well. Uh, it was yeah, he was just somewhat. I, I think he's great. Yeah, I think he was just somewhat. Yeah, I think there's, um, there's certain things that just weren't right, but I, I think that's with all of them. Each of them are, have sort of different strengths. I think in mm-hmm. both their Peter Parker and Spider Man portrayals, I think they sort of Andrew Garfield I thought was really funny as Spider Man, which I really liked. Uh, I thought he had a very funny kind of. Uh, persona, more of a light-hearted Spider-Man compared to Tommy Maguire is very much like just doing all of the sad stuff that Spider-Man's ever been through, you know. Uh, and then yeah. Peter and Tom Holland's, I think, is a nice sort of middle ground between those. So I think it's, it's pretty much a, a Goldilocks and the Three Bears kind of scenario that Tom Holland is just right for Spider-Man. <laughs> who's, who's too big and who's too small? Well, no, are we... Goldilocks and the Three Bears, are we talking like um, the chairs, the beds, or the porridges? Uh, it's it's neither. It's a new version for Spider-Man. It's Tobey Maguire's too sad, Andrew Garfield's too cool, and Tom Holland is just right. Yeah, that was kind of the, the hardest to believe bit of the amazing Spider-Man movies. Oh, it's Social Outcast. Andrew Garfield, Andrew please Garfield. ignore the, please ignore the fact he is insanely hot. Yeah. Not 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 that um, Toby Maguire and Tom Holland aren't hot, but I mean, just like Andrew Garfield. I mean, come on, the man's like, you're the most typical looking leading man in yeah. Hollywood. They there was also just such a lack of effort to try and make him seem uncool as well. You know, they mm-hmm. gave him a skateboard. They didn't give him the, the Peter Parker nerd hair. They let him have his just insanely beautiful Andrew Garfield Hollywood hair. You know, yeah. just no effort to, to make him not the coolest man alive. Yeah. I mean, uh, sort of, I think they got more the ages more spot on for the casting of the newer Spider-Man movies because you know whilst they were good in their roles like Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone did not look like high schoolers whereas like yeah, Tom Tommy Maguire I think arguably looked like a 30 year old man because he was a 30 year old man yeah. <laughs> to be fair Tom Holland and Zendaya I think they are in their 20s but they do l- l- still look like high schoolers yeah, and I think also Marvel kind of know that now as well, that I, I doubt they're going to keep making a Spider-Man movie that's set in high school for the next you know, four or five years. I think they'll age out of those roles as well, yeah. which I think is good. Which is nice. It's yeah. nice to see that Spider-Man journey, which I think we, we sort of got with Tobey Maguire, but to have it in the, the MCU where you've got this pre-existing universe is very cool. Because I think that's, that's where Spider-Man interacts best, is in in the big New York, you know, this filled, filled world of, like, pre-existing characters and stuff. I think that's, that's where Spider-Man stands, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the comics, his arc, he does start in high school, but, I mean, that's, like, only the opening bit of his arc. He always moves into sort of uh, adult life, and um, yeah. he gets, he becomes a successful scientist and whatever, so sure we'll see more yeah, of that exactly. we've got lots of we've got that you've got his, his science you've got also him uh working at the daily google as well like photography and stuff and then different all the different characters he interacts with spider-man quite famously will sort of uh quite famously is quite close to a lot of his villains i mean we saw that in homecoming even that like um 
the vulture was his girlfriend's dad you know <laughs> at the time and and all those sorts of things there's it's quite there's a very famous storyline i think where doc Ock marries aunt may in one of the comics yeah. but i'm not sure if they'll do that in this with after millennia but um i i just love that idea of like spider-man having to confront these people who he's very close to i, I always i always like that I, I hope they explore some of those things i don't see why doc Ock couldn't marry aunt may I think uh, Iron Man was interested there, but I mean, obviously he's out of the picture now. Be hard, be hard for those two to get married now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, it's not like they're going to stop making Spider-Man movies anytime soon. However, I did see that this is the end of Tom Holland's contract, but he did say that he'd, he'd come back in a heartbeat anyway. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't... Uh, well too much on that i doubt that means anything really i'd be yeah. shocked if tom holland didn't come back and make a million more spider-man movies yeah i'd uh, be very i'd be very surprised if he didn't come back i sort of feel like he's we're nowhere near the end of his spider-man story no definitely not i think even compared to sort of why we started with iron man and stuff we already started not necessarily near the end of their arcs but you know Tony Stark is already a grown man. Whenever he starts being with Captain America, he's a man out of time. So it felt like they had things that they were working towards to have a payoff. And then that was the end of their arc, which I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed how they did that. Whereas Spider-Man, it feels much more like we're opening up his life into this universe that could be the next 20 years of Marvel, you know? And yeah. I think he's going to sort of be the, I think, the key player and also the the audience surrogate i think for a long time for the next mm. as i say it could be the next 20 years of these marvel movies you know that's going to be how the audience sees it it's going to be growing up with spider-man especially for the likes of me and you who like yep. that's the age that we kind of are at as we watch these movies and um, so i think that's he's an important player for sure i wonder if they'll but, ever end sorry, i wonder if they'll ever end i sort of got existential there when you're thinking about thinking it'd be <laughs> weird if the mcu outlived me I know, like, I don't know, it could, it could happen. I mean, the comics, you know, the comics went for a long time and they just sort of, they've just shifted media, I guess. It'll be yeah. interesting to see if we ever get old that we we fall off it, you know? We go, ah, these, these stupid new young characters coming into the MCU, it's not like our the old days with Spider-Man and Iron Man, you know? It'll be interesting. I don't, I'm not sure how. I mean, that's a long time in the future, so we'll see. But another Marvel property, actually, um, got a trailer this week. We got a trailer for Modoc. This is a new animated series coming to Hulu. So not too connected to the Marvel Universe. I think it's not connected at all, but um, it looks quite funny, actually. I, I hadn't really heard anything about this until I saw the trailer, um, but it, it looks really good. It's similar animation to a lot of the robot chicken sort of stuff, and it looks like it might be a similar yeah. kind of humor, uh, which I, I know you're a fan of, and I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so it looks really funny. Did you see anything about this? Uh, actually, it was something in the back of my mind that they were doing a Modoc series, but didn't realize a trailer had been released. But I think it sounds like a good concept because I mean, Modoc's very funny uh, in the comics and stuff. And I think the only problem is if it's not sort of like part of anything. Uh, it would be annoying if they didn't like if some characters feature because, like, I mean. Some of the best 
funniest movie lock moments are like him with Deadpool or Wolverine or whoever. So I'd yeah. like to see some crossover. Yeah, I, I have no idea how any of the legalities work with Hulu and Marvel. As far as I knew, Marvel had pretty much everything back, uh, you know, under the Disney rights. But yeah. maybe not. Maybe this is a, a thing where they lend it out. Maybe this has been planning for years and it's only coming. I don't know. Uh, there's so many things there with the all different contract signings that I really have no idea how any of it works. Um, but I, I'm interested to watch this anyway. I think my other worry was that if it's really good, if it's not under that Disney umbrella, they may not keep it on for a long time. We saw that with like the Netflix shows and a lot of the Marvel series that come out. I think they suffer a bit from not having that Disney Plus connection, you know. So I think, but if it's loved, maybe they'll, they'll cross it in, you know. They, it looks like they're probably going to do that with a lot of the Netflix characters at some point as well. They've got their rights back and stuff, so... Uh, I think there's there's potential if it's really good to have some kind of um, maybe not crossover, but I I don't know I'm I think it looks very funny and I'll definitely watch it. Yeah, I I'm talking about the Netflix shows. I think I've said this before in the podcast, but I really hope when they go they get brought back because I assume they will be that they bring the Netflix actors with them because I mean I think. I mean, the shows getting cancelled was nothing, was not related to their quality or the quality of the actors' performances. I mean, so I think it would be a real shame if they didn't get brought back. I mean, yeah, especially, especially Jessica Jones's actress, who I think is Kristen Ritter. I thought she was very good as Jessica yeah. Jones. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I just hope that they don't get cast to the wayside. Yeah, same, same here. I think Daredevil as well. Um, whose name I have not forgotten. Uh, <laughs> but I, I love the Daredevil actor as well. I think they're all really good, but the Daredevil and Destiny Jones in particular, I think were, were really, really great. And yeah, I think, I think a lot of people, that's who they see those characters as now. So they would, I think Marvel would have a bit, a bit of a hard time and probably suffer some backlash if they tried to recast them. Because there's really, I don't think there's any need to. I mean, the, the Netflix shows were always not connected to the MCU, but vaguely connected, you know? So they were kind of, I think they were at the perfect level that you can fold them in without ruining anything. But also, yeah, there's there's nothing really to lose or gain. You know, you can fold them in, and I don't think anything would suffer from it. So I think they should just, I, I would just keep it as is if it was me, you know? I, I think those characters are great. I think... Uh, they will look to sort of somewhat integrate them now, though, because I mean, everything now the MC, everything Marvel are doing really nice seems to be connected into the MC. And I think Daredevil is probably maybe some of the others could probably be fine on their own. But I mean, I think Daredevil is too important a character in the Marvel universe for him to not be integrated somewhat. Definitely, yeah, definitely, and. Um... I think, yeah, I think I think they would be wasting it if they didn't use those characters. I, I would say it's it's almost a certainty that we'll get them at some point. Yeah. And King, King, we'll, King, we'll pretty much get every character at some point, you know. Yeah, Kingpin is Kingpin, especially is too much importance to the Spider-Man mythos to not be brought yeah, into the definitely. fold. And again, just a phenomenal performance in Daredevil to that that actor. I think just. 
there's just so many great performances like of the Punisher as well and then um, Bullseye I think is what that character is called in Deadpool or Daredevil sorry um season three I think and they they had a sort of post credits with that character as well that set up that that character was going to continue but um obviously then the show got cancelled as is tradition um but they yeah they have they've set the precedent for these characters to still exist in the world so i i say i say the more the merrier as far as marvel's concerned yeah yeah you know i think i think they'll have a plan to be fair they've had a plan for almost everything i don't think you could say anything so far in the mcu has been badly done or and not thought through. Yeah. Like, I think the worst you could say about anything in the MCU is just maybe the odd sort of forgettable or passable movie, like um, Thor Dark World or Iron Man 2, but nothing's been outright bad. And yeah, the, the only criticism I ever have of the MCU is that some of their origin movies are a little bit formulaic, and, you know, in terms of the villains being just sort of a reverse version of the hero but also i understand why they do that as well but that would be my that's only that's my only real criticism i ever have of them is like yeah sometimes i i get used to seeing amazing movies all the time you know yeah. it's uh, kind I, of like born by mcu standards but it's still easily a seven out of ten movie yeah. i think sort of i mean they've usually addressed any big criticism i sort of can remember the big criticism around the time of I'm going to say it was Phase Two, between the first Avengers movie and Age of Ultron. I think that was Phase Two. Was the was a slightly semi color palette that I mean most of the movies sort of would use darker colors like black and brown and uh, darker blues and whatever. And, yeah, and. Uh, somewhat repetitive music but then I mean that was, that was almost instantly addressed by Guardians of the Galaxy coming on to the scene yeah. and even even Guardians of the Galaxy I, I watched one and two back to back recently and even the change from Guardians 1 to Guardians 2 is just as if there weren't enough colours in Guardians volume, volume 1 by the second movie it's just it's just up to 100 you know it's, yeah. it's the most colourful thing and yeah, I think yeah. I think maybe initially a part of that was still trying to fit into that, you know, okay, this is still somewhat realistic. This is still these still these things make sense. We can justify these. We want it to seem like arguably this could exist in your world. And then just gradually it became more and more wacky, as you say, and to the point where now it's like, no, these are superhero movies. They don't need to make sense. Everything's colorful and funny and wacky and uh, we don't need to explain everything with real world facts because let the dark knight do that you know you don't marvel doesn't have to i remember i mean guardians of the galaxy i remember that was seen as a big risk at the time because uh, it was their first movie actually they went for that wasn't playing on like the most established characters that they'd used big hitters up to that point this was their first movie uh, not not unknown characters. I mean, comic book fans knew them, but uh, characters who were unknown to the general public. And I mean, yeah. that I actually think that first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, um, for the reasons we discussed in terms of color play, music, and humor, 
was massively important for the MCU, but wasn't just that. Yeah, it, it gave them the license to take risks. I mean, I, I think yeah. without Guardians of the Galaxy, you're not going to get sort you probably wouldn't have got the Ant Man movie. You wouldn't you wouldn't have got Guardians of the Galaxy two, obviously. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. movies. I, I would argue it would have drastically probably postponed or even just made it that it that the MCU never went into like space or anything cosmic, you know, it, it could have yeah. really damaged that if they were like, okay, that's too risky, we'll keep everything, you know, low powers on our no heavy hitters. We probably wouldn't have got like Captain Marvel or even even maybe uh making like Scarlet Witch and Vision as powerful as they were, they probably would have powered them down quite a lot to fit with this yeah. kind of more realistic, less ridiculous world, which I think would have uh, been nowhere near as good as what we got in the end. Yeah. No, I think... Yeah. Basically, I think what I was trying to say originally before I went off on that is that um, I really have faith in Marvel to know what they're doing with the... Uh, yeah. Netflix characters. That's that was the original point, which got lost. Yeah, the TLDR of this is we're both big Marvel fanboys, and yeah. uh, that's that's all we can really say on that. Uh, that's honestly pretty much all the news for this week. Anyway, there wasn't a lot of stuff. There was a couple of teaser trailers for uh, Zack Snyder's new Netflix film and for the new Disney Pixar film, um, but there really wasn't much given away in those. Zack Snyder's media Netflix film is a zombie film and um, looks like there's like a heist or something in it but there really there was no details given so I think we'll, we'll come back to those when we sort of know I, a little bit more I got the wellies when you said when you said Zack Snyder there <laughs> a little bit scared <laughs> I know don't don't say what we're all thinking yeah. <laughs> but that's that's all the news for this week so we're we're safe for now um that brings us into our topic for this week. And our topic this week, we had a couple of suggestions from people to talk about some uh, video game related things or some gaming related things, uh, which I thought was a good idea. You're much more of a gamer than I would be. I only recently sort of got more into any kind of gaming, but uh, this week we thought uh, with those suggestions and in honor of the Mortal Kombat trailer that we talked about last week, we would talk about some video games or games that we think would um, make good film or TV adaptations and maybe how we would go about doing that, what we think would look good or bad. Uh, we can talk, talk about it whatever way you want, but we can do castings, who we would have directed, what sort of way we think it should work. We'll just see how, how we go and uh, what we think would be good or bad. These are all obviously our opinions. Um, but we're right, and if you disagree, that's fine, but you're wrong. So, uh, <laughs> Luke, do you have a game to, to start us off? Uh, well, sorry, I'm going to derail the format a bit here, and I apologise for that, but I had actually been sort of uh, thinking about this earlier today, and I sort of came up through some general thoughts I had on making a video game movie. Awesome. It is not... Basically, most of this leads back me thinking it's not an easy task uh yeah there is a tremendous amount of pressure which comes with uh making a movie based on a video game series because i mean it'll draw out some of the most rabid uh toxic uh people on the internet <laughs> i mean you're, you're talking about the sort of people that if you cast a character uh to play someone 
uh, say your man an Assassin's Creed movie and you cast someone as Ezio and they go oh uh, he's got brown eyes while Ezio's got blue eyes I don't even know what color of eyes Ezio has send a postcard in there playing with fire again (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so I mean that that's the level of pernicketiness yeah uh, you're you're talking about here you it's not something I would envy. Uh, so no, leading no, on no. to that, I came up with a thought that m- might be a completely stupid thing, but I think there might be legs behind it. Everyone says when talking about making a video game movie, like the most popular games, like make a God of War movie, make a, a I don't know, a, a Red Dead Redemption movie. I think I've got it. Don't make the best games into movies. Make a mediocre game series. You, know, you mean you want uh, something with enough story to make a movie out of or a TV series, but not something anyone's going to care about enough to get up in arms about it. Yes, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, no, I, I had a similar thought. Uh, we can we can have some some brief uh, some sweeping statements before we get into specifics, but I thought similarly. As you say, it's a really hard task. I think another thing that makes it really hard is obviously the fandom, like you said, but also compare it to adapting like a, a book or a comic. That uh, adapting like a book, say, to a film, there is sort of as much as you you add your own spin and stuff to it, and you are changing the the medium. You are kind of just directly adapting one thing to another thing. You know, it, it's there for you. Mm-hmm. I would say there, there are arguably no video games that you could adapt to a movie or a TV series straight from what the source material is because yeah. your main character is different for every person who plays. It's nine times out of ten your character doesn't speak unless it's in a cutscene, you know, but during the action they have no charisma because it's you you know, holding buttons and um, shooting people. So there's no real massive story beats like that unless you just make a movie out of all the cutscenes of a video game, which feels ridiculous. So you always have to, if you're making a video game, movie or TV show, you have to mold it slightly and change certain things about it, which means picking what you're going to do for it. You need to pick something that can be molded in that way without destroying what the fans love so much which is such a hard thing to do you know and to try and take story and gameplay and make them into something watchable without ruining it for everyone and it it introduces all these questions of should you follow a new story set in that world but then does that feel like you're wasting the characters that already exist and there's so many things that go into it that just make it so hard i think there's as I think we talked about it with the Mortal Kombat trailer. There are so many examples of video game movies that just never work. And I think yeah. there is a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think sort of expanding upon what you said, I think you want you want to take something that's respectful of the source material, but not necessarily 100% faithful to that. To yeah. and, and by that, what I mean is I'm... Maybe you can take elements. I wouldn't directly take the story out of most video games. I think most of them are written to work over an extended period of time, which at the very least in most games is going to be a span of eight hours. Uh, 
that that won't work in an hour and a half movie. You need a story that works in an hour and a half. And I think another thing you touched upon, getting the dialogue right can be difficult because in a lot of games you're on your own for ages until you meet up with people at a, 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 a cutscene. So, I mean, that doesn't lend itself well to a movie. I think you fe- you're right, you face a lot of difficulty. And I think you've, you've got to strike out on your own somewhat with that and make something... Yeah that enhances the source material not does but doesn't copy it yeah i think the the only there's i mean there there are sort of two other ways we can go one that is very common and, and i think this is sort of not a cop out necessarily but a, a weaker way to do these sorts of things is when either a character from our world or a person from our world gets sucked into a video game or a character from the video game gets brought into our world i think that's probably the weakest way to do these things but also they do arguably make the most sense because then it's you can do everything tongue-in-cheek and you know the it's easy then you've instantly set up what your plot's going to be it's get back to your world you know and and you've already established what the whole thing's going to be about and you're pretty much just doing a completely separate adventure with a character that everyone likes Um, and I think the, the new Sonic film is an example of that. And I, I did enjoy that film, but I, I think as a plot device, that's probably the weakest one. It's very just game by numbers kind of thing, you know. Um, we- but the other way to do it is to, I think, just fully lean into to those aspects, you know, and be extremely sort of tongue-in-cheek with it. And this would work much well, much better for a comedy, but have things like being sent on a you know being sent to just drive from one place to another place and the character sits in silence and drives there you know and it's you, you do it more like a joke kind of video game thing i think that could work if you play it for last a bit um but yeah it, it, it's a real challenge yeah uh to be fair i was thinking that one where people get into the video game i mean that can be good if it done well. I mean, I was thinking there, Jumanji, uh, I think it was Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle was the first one of the modern ones. I've not seen number two, but Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, whilst not based on a video game, is about people getting sucked into a video game. And I, it was really good. It was really funny. Uh, so, I mean, that format can work if done well. But, I mean, to be fair, most formats can work if you do, do them well. It's yeah, it's just hard. Uh, no, I, I, I liked Jumanji as well. I think, as you say, though, it wasn't based on a video game, so maybe that's mm-hmm. why it's you know, uh, I think it, the thing is, if you're based on a video game already, it's just it's more that that just seems like the lazy way out, you know. It's, it's yeah. when you're weighing up your options, it's like, okay, let's do this because that's an easy way to explain why this is happening, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you need to decide, you also need to decide how much you want to acknowledge. That it's a video game, like yeah. I mean, uh, things like um, Jumanji acknowledge that it's a video game. The movie takes place in, whereas if you take something like the Assassin's Creed movie, because I mean, uh, in in those video games, the events that happen in the video games in that universe happened in real life. So they're basically just a replication of what happened in real life. So as far as I'm aware, the Assassin's Creed movie, uh. 
it was not it didn't take place in a video game it was a depiction of a fake historical uh series of events um so i i think that's something you have to decide early on is definitely is it a video game in your movie or is it not real because it's obviously it's not real but you know what i mean is what's happening in the movie real set in the video game universe or is it a video game that exists in our universe yeah um well that's good we've sort of set set our parameters of of what we think makes a good uh tv or film based on a video game so do you have uh do you have any in mind that you think would work yes uh, I was actually sort of racking my brains for this because most of the ones that often people say would make a great video game TV series have already been done as a video game or a TV series yeah. to varying levels of success. Then I thought of one, uh, okay, maybe if there is a movie of this, there might be. There's none that I know of, so at least if there was, it didn't. It wasn't well known. I... I know I said earlier as well that you should maybe do a mediocre one. I've actually picked one of my favourite games of the last few years. I think a movie based on uh, the modern Wolfenstein series would be brilliant. Uh, oh, yeah. Are you familiar with uh, Wolfenstein? I, I am I am uh, vaguely familiar, but um, give us a, a little explanation just because I, I wouldn't know everything about it. Okay, so... Uh, listeners may be familiar with there was a video game series in the 90s and 80s called uh wolfenstein uh i i'm not thinking of those ones those ones were kind of from a base more simplistic time of gaming but they, they weren't they weren't story heavy i'm talking about uh the new uh wolfenstein series which has two main games so far and one side game. So the two main games were Wolfenstein, the New Order, and Wolfenstein, the New Colossus. So to give a very quick synopsis, uh, Wolfenstein, the New Order, uh, is about BJ Blazkowicz, who is a US soldier who, in the final days of World War II, is storming Castle Wolfenstein, uh, which is the rumoured base for a Nazi super weapon that would turn the tide of the war if not stop um, whilst whilst storming Castle Wolfenstein he sustains an injury that puts him in a coma and the game starts That's that was, so then what happens is he wakes up from the coma and basically they didn't stop the Nazis and the Nazis deployed uh, these super weapons which turned the tide of the war uh, they were all like uh, it was like mechanized dogs and nuke stuff like that. Uh, so he wakes up and joins the resistance to fight against uh, the the New Order, <laughs> where the name comes from. So uh, the the New Order, the Nazis have established across Europe and uh, America. So then this it just goes on into the second the second game the so the first game's based in europe the second game's based in uh america um i think they're both set in the 60s uh, i i won't bother going into what exactly happens in either game if you've got a console get them and play them i don't think they're particularly expensive they're really good so i guess probably what you're thinking is 
why these two games they do sound like kind of pimp by the numbers fight the evil nazis but they are far greater than some of their parts dj blaskovitz on paper just seems like your typical meathead super soldier uh he's not uh in in the game a lot of the time says you're on your own he gets you hear his inner monologue and it's philosophical uh, it's a man tortured by pain the failure to stop this happening uh losing yeah. his love for 20 years who he does reunite with in the first game and it's it's just a very clever game and it's the second one especially whilst they're set in the in an alternative history in the 60s they do touch upon topics that are relevant today. These are very clever, very well done games that, if done right, they're movies that could hit a lot of relevant relevant points for today, as well as just being very entertaining. I mean, I, I should say why the games are fun as well. They, they don't just have a great story. They've got some of the fastest paced uh, shooting and gunplay uh, that I've in any game I've played in the past few years. So overall, I've, I've rambled for a while here, but I just think they would make great movies if done well. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, uh, I don't want to say a cool setting by any means, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nazi rule, I would say, I'm, I'm going to come out as being against. You can put me on the record as saying I am against the Nazis. Um, Controversial stories, we don't want to lose our Nazi. Yeah, actually... I was going to say that as a joke. We don't want to lose our Nazi listener base. If we have a Nazi listener base, we, we very Nazi much listeners. would. We very much would like to lose it. We yeah, are we very much an anti-Nazi podcast. Yes, and and I'm not afraid to say it. Look, okay, I'm not afraid to come out <laughs> and tell the world that this is an anti-Nazi podcast. All right. Yeah. Anyway, without getting too political, we've 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 established our stance. Um. What I mean by a, a cool setting is that it's it's always a it's always fun to watch people fighting Nazis in a mm-hmm. movie. That's what I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it, it's a solid, well-established bad guy, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. So I, and yeah, like you say, the the super weapons and stuff. I think I, I've seen a lot of the Wolfenstein games. I think it's a very cool aesthetic as well. Yeah. Um, that sort of post-war as you say mid 60s sort of era um similar to like the fallout games i like that it's sort of um not quite steampunk but sort of like it's uh, steampunk in a way almost yeah it's Um, like modern steampunk it's um futuristic technology in the style of 60s technology so you you mean you'd get uh you you'd be watching a massive robot uh, destroy a whole town but on one of those like TVs with the knobs to adjust the frequency yeah. and volume I, I yeah I love that aesthetic of sort of what people in the 50s and 60s thought the future would look like um, which I think is a very cool aesthetic of everything uh, silver and chrome but as you say still really clunky and, and bizarre looking uh, I, I think that's a cool looking aesthetic but yeah I think that could be a really cool thing even uh if you wanted to make it real artsy, you could even include things like his internal monologue and make it, you know, a real yeah. artist kind of movie if you wanted to go that right. Or you could do yeah. more 
the action and just use some of the cool story beats. I think there's, yeah. there could be a few ways of doing that that could be really cool. Yeah, I think with a lot of um, movies now that are established in well-trodden genres like uh, war movies and action movies, you need if you want to set yourself apart and create something uh, really good that people remember, you have to subvert people's expectations. And that's what Wolfenstein actually did in the video game uh, world at that point. It was a completely new type of shooter. First, subverting people's expectations and what an action hero protagonist should be uh, in creating someone who was three-dimensional in BJ yeah. Blazkowicz. And in its gameplay, it was at that point, most shooters had the same sort of gameplay, which had been established by Call of Duty at that point, which was uh, you get into cover, you shoot at people, you lose some health, you get back into cover, so your health restores. Whereas Wolfenstein almost took it back in a way to what 90 shooters were, which was um, uh, health pickups, switching through multiple weapons, stuff like that. But yeah, it, it, it wasn't um, pure 90 style. It was 90 style with modern sensibilities. Uh, yeah. Create something that could really stand as part of it, on its, a stand apart on its own as a true innovator of the genre. Very cool. No, I, I like that. I like the sounds of this a lot. I think that could make a great uh, movie or TV show. Do you think it would be more suited to either of those? Or do you have a, any any dream casting in mind or anything like that? I think movies, because I thought the games were very cinematic. I think yeah. they, they need the scale of the big screen. I think as well with TV, you would maybe be sort of, um, you know, you've already got the man in the high castle. Uh, so it, yeah. would, it would maybe be stepping on its turf a bit. I think, I think it, they are movies. Awesome. Um, you could get, and I've, I've lost the name, unfortunately, but um, the director who directed Rogue One, mm. um, whose name I've, I've totally forgotten. Yeah, so um, Really talented action director, but also Rogue One is a perfect example, but some of his other movies as well. Ooh, um, ooh, Gareth Edwards? I think so. I think that sounds right. Um, but he, he does this phenomenal at working with steel you know, and making things seem enormous. I think there's some great examples of yeah. that in Rogue One of the big the APSCs or uh, whatever version of the APSCs it is in that movie. The Death Star, you know, all of those big moments where you just see these colossal things from, uh, you know, a, a person on the ground's perspective. And um, I think that that could be something really cool in a movie like Wolfenstein. Um, yeah. And also then his action sequences are, are incredible in that movie. Very, I think Rogue One especially, just because that's what I'm picturing but uh, a very cool sort of updated version of what is very similar to sort of World War One and Two style combat you know um, but yeah. updated to a Star Wars universe so I think it it could be a similar kind of thing to play around with yeah and um, so that, that would be a cool get I think yeah yeah I think he's good because I mean he's someone that you feel like uh, would understand he's he's got a good track record on uh, action but also would understand the human side of yeah. the uh the the wolfenstein series i mean it, it can i mean those games got heavy at times uh 
I mean, you have to understand, I mean, whilst it was a fun history game for the player, and it, what it wanted to depict was this, I mean, this was for these people as characters, what happened in this universe was the absolute worst case scenario. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's a good pick. Uh, well, I, I have a couple of, couple of ones here. As I said at the start, I'm not like a massive uh, gamer. There's definitely lots of games that I'm semi-familiar with, but very few that I would be at all in-depthly familiar with. Uh, first one, which I'm sure has been talked about making a movie a million times. I'd be shocked if no studios were, were currently at least thinking about it, but uh, Grand Theft Auto, I think, um, I think there's just bound to be a movie in there somewhere, you know, I'm sure students talked, it, talked about it a million times. I think there, there is a fun, a fun kind of movie in there. I think the danger would be that it, it could just so easily become a Fast and Furious movie. Um, yeah. But I think you could, you could really make it. I think if you made this maybe five years ago, this could have been what the Fast and Furious is now, you know? Yeah. Take the Fast and Furious up and just dial it to 11 and make it ridiculous, constant explosions, crazy cars. And yeah. um, I think the, the danger now would be that it's, it might be too close to a Fast and Furious, but uh, I think they're, they're, you could just do some, you know, ridiculous, uh, fun stuff with that. And um, doing maybe one of the heists or, I don't know, playing around with just ridiculous characters, but I think you, you have to, you'd have to go just way too ridiculous for that, you know, to make a GTA movie, I think, just go above and beyond, make everything huge yeah. and silly and, you know, have the characters yeah. in ridiculous glasses, wearing masks, all that stuff, uh, yeah. like we see in the, in the game. Yeah, I think you sort of, you've got to do it in excess, because, I mean, if it if it becomes realistic and grounded, like the stuff they do, that and just becomes sort of grimy and horrible. But when it's in the context yeah. of this like ultra surreal but somewhat realistic universe it's set, and then it becomes funny, like uh, sort of. I'm I'm almost thinking like you know the way it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, you you, you can laugh you laugh at it because it's funny and the stuff they do is funny. But it's really absurd, and the show does basically do all it can to tell you these are completely abhorrently awful people. Yeah, <laughs> I feel you've got to do it that way. The main characters at all, yeah. Uh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't root for these guys. You shouldn't base your morals off of them or try and you know, you shouldn't relate to the characters. It should more just be uh, an indulgence of watching kind of gratuitous everything. Yeah. That being said, dump all the philosophical nonsense. Just give this movie to Michael Bay. Yeah, yeah. I think there's no, <laughs> there's no point, no point trying to, you know, trying to make this a, a Spielberg classic or anything. I think give it to Michael Bay and just say, do everything you want to do, you know, yeah. everything. And then when you've done it, give it to. Uh, you know, uh, a 13 year old who's had seven monster energies and asked him if it's good enough. And if he says no, then go back to the drawing board, Michael. You know, yeah. this is this is the time to prove yourself, Michael Bay. See if you really can, can pull this off. But yeah, I think that's it's it's the it, it has everything that 
a, a good popcorn movie needs, you know, and yeah. like, yeah, this is what we want. So I, I think yeah. there's there's a movie in there somewhere that I, I'd be shocked if we never got a DPN. Did you, um, sorry if I was just thinking when I said Michael Bay, I sort of had my head for a reason. I, I've not seen this movie, but I know sort of its style and what it's about. Have you seen Pain and Gain? I've not, no. It's, it's like a Michael Bay movie. It's sort of the reason I thought it could work. It's sort of like, it's a really absurd sort of, uh, I was going to say satirical. I suppose it's not really satirical. I think it's just like an action comedy movie where these like two uh, right head bodybuilders plan a, a robbery. Nice. And it just it just goes completely ridiculous, and it was it was supposed to be quite good. Uh, so I was sort of thinking you did it something like that, where you just turn the nonsense up to eleven and yeah. have lots of explosions and action sequences. You could come out with something really entertaining. Yeah, I think actually a, a good way to do it is um, obviously Michael Bay directed Pearl Harbor, but you know that sort of it it's often said that Pearl Harbor was Michael Bay's response to Titanic. Have you ever heard people say that? That, you know, he saw Titanic and he thought, I can, I can do something like this. So I think what you should do is yeah. uh, someone should sit Michael Bay down and show him Pulp Fiction. And then <laughs> say, okay, did that inspire you at all, Michael? He'll go, yes, GTA is, is my vision. It, this is my Pulp Fiction, you know? And I think I think you'd come out with a GTA movie if you told Michael Bay to make his version of Pulp Fiction. But as far as I can tell, he is a good filmmaker. He's just also batshit insane. Exactly. That's 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 all I'm saying. I think you know if if Michael Bay directed his version of Pulp Fiction, you'd get GTA. Uh, I I think that, and I think that's a good thing. Michael Bay's Black Panther. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Michael no Bay, Philadelphia, directed by Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I think Just, I think I could never get bored of watching Michael Bay's versions of different movies. Michael Bay's Coach Carter. Well, apart from Michael Bay's uh, Transformers, yeah, which are, yeah, which no, are fine Bay's, for like an hour, but then you yeah, find out they're two and a half hours. Yeah, I I don't envy anyone trying to do a Transformers binge. Give it, take Michael Bay, give him unlimited budget, but give him a strict editor, and you'll come out with a great movie. I think I think you're right. Um, so that's that's my thought. But yeah, I think I think Michael Bay could be could be a great GTA movie. Uh, do you have any other any other ones? Uh, I've got a few risky ones. Yeah. Uh, sort sort of playing on the rock star thing. I think. The Red, Red Dead Redemption movie could be really good, but I mean, that's the sort of one where the story in the video games are so good. I just mm. can't see anyone being able to create something better. You're going, you know, you're going to come out with something worse than the video game. Yeah, I think the the risk with that would be you would you would have to depart a bit from the video game story, and then then you're just making a western at that point. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, which that, it could still be great, but it would be one yeah. of those things where you sort of think, "Why did they make this a Red Dead movie when it's kind of just..." Yeah, that, that's what I, that's what I mean by risky. Like, I mean, there's no way you could, um, there's no way you could try and just remake 
the stories from either Red Dead 1 or Red Dead 2. I mean, those stories are like considered some of the best in gaming. You would just create something that would be derivative at best, but just bad at worst, like just awful yeah. at worst. Yeah. Uh, um, but it, it is a very cool setting. I mean, we both love a Western, but um, yeah. yeah, I think there's, there's interesting ideas there to have like a, a more action heavy Western, you know? Um, yeah. I, I don't know what you do. I think, I think there's, the, there's potential, but yeah, I like to say it's, it's a challenge. I also think that's that's a genre I think people are maybe a little scared of at the moment, just because, I mean, the last two big releases in that genre were both Tarantino movies, and before that was True Grit. So, I mean, those are like the sorts of movies you're going to get compared to. I, I Yeah. I, like, it's almost for the moment there's a full stop I'm the Western genre. I mean, I'm sure there's still westerns being made, but no, I, I, I can't think of any big studio releases that were westerns. Uh, yeah, I mean, the closest you could, you could argue that the Mandalorian, especially season one, would, would sort yeah. of fall into that genre. But oh, well, again, well, I mean, if we're not talking, quite the setting, so it's, it's tricky. I mean, if we're talking TV, there was Westworld, but I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. sort of thinking big studio released movies. You know, yeah. it's. Yeah. It's a genre where you're just going to get compared to some brilliant movies. You know, like, there's a continual conveyor belt of uh, action movies, crime movies, detective movies, rom-coms. Like, you're you're not going to get compared. If you make a a rom-com, no one's going to say, oh, that wasn't as good as Notting Hill. Yeah, it's sort of... It gets judged in its own merits. Yeah, worst case scenario is that it will get forgotten not regarded as being a bad version of that movie you know yeah uh, like an especially with like an action movie or a rom-com like you say it's sort of the, the worst thing that can happen is that you get consigned to oblivion whereas if you make a western night everyone's gonna know because it's the only western that came out that year so yeah. you kind of yeah. you you set yourself up to deliver a lot um, and if you don't you could get pretty slated which is kind of unfair but it is yeah it is the world we live in, so. Oh, I owe the I owe the Western genre an apology. There was the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which I actually really enjoyed. It was, oh, cool. it was the, but I mean, it, it played to sort of different genres than the other ones. It was like an anthology movie. There was like one or one or two sort of more serious ones, but on the whole, it, I mean, it was a Coen Brothers movie, so it sort of had that like. Uh, quirky humorous vibe all the way through it's it's on yeah. netflix i i would i would definitely recommend it sure um i have another one here that i think is risky or, or challenging i'm not sure how you would actually go about this but i think this is this is probably the way that i would do if i if i had to make any kind of uh any kind of video game movie with sort of the more classic and childish or childhood characters so if I had to make any kind of uh, a Mario movie or a Sonic movie or any anything like that, I think I would try to do like a Smash Brothers or a Mario Party or a Mario and Sonic Olympics, you know, something like that where you just bring everyone in, bring in all the characters from that universe and you can explain that away quite easily. You can just be like, it's some kind of universe anomaly that's got everybody here and we have to do Mario Party or, you know, you have to do whatever whatever kind of 
the setup is. But I think if, if I had to do it, that's how I would go about it. I just try and do all the characters, you know, then you've got hell for every audience member. Everyone's going to see their favorite character. You've got lots of like, oh, will this character show up? Who knows? You know, you can have lots and lots of reveals of people's favorite characters. Um, and it leaves you with just lots of places to go. That's like what Ready Player One did. Just like... That's true. <laughs> Yeah, you only need like half the plot. Just fill the rest with fan service. Yeah, I, I, I mean to be fair, I did enjoy. I, I enjoyed Ready Player One. To be fair, I thought it was. It, it wasn't a classic, but I thought it was entertaining. I mean, it was yeah. almost half for that reason. Like, I mean, you could just spend half the movie looking in the background, going, "Oh, there's yeah. uh, there's um, a Sonic, or there's like the a big orc dude from World of Warcraft, or whatever." That was that was half yeah. the fun of that movie. Yeah, uh, it's it's like um, it, the the movie has its own kind of game built into it of of spotting yeah. characters. Uh, yeah. So is it an added yeah. thing? But yeah, do you think anything like that could work? A, a Mario Party? How would you? Uh, um, it would, this would definitely be more along your lines of your Jumanjis and stuff. Of there, you're forced to play a game or do like a Smash Bros. where you're you're forced into a, some kind of combat I, tournament. Something. <laughs> I think it's the sort of one that would either be really good or would just be flat out awful. I think you need a clever director attached to it who sort who could make something. Uh, I think probably about the twentieth time I said this on the podcast today, but I mean something subversive that, that isn't quite what you expect. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I I wouldn't know where to start, but I mean I'm I'm assuming just give the reins to someone who's clever, like Edgar Wright or something that can make something really interesting. There's yeah, there's I another think... great video game oh, yeah. that's not... The, I mean, there is a Scott Pilgrim video game, but I think it came after the movie. There's another great video game movie, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you could... I'm not sure this joke might uh, wear thin in the first five minutes, or it could work, but... Um, this could be a fun, a fun thing to make really gritty and realistic, you know, and play it like a, a Mario Party where it's six, six Nintendo characters, uh, or however many play in Mario four, sorry, four players in Mario Party, and they get trapped, you know, in this world, and it's this real gritty sort of Hunger Games style thing of we're forced to play here every year, you know. Uh, kind of thing of they get brought in and they don't know why they're there and they have to they're forced to be pit against each other to win and you know one of those things of um, only the winner can escape or something and I think that that could be a funny joke whether that I would think, work uh, for an entire movie or uh, not but I I, I, I was just thinking I think it would maybe work better in the format of something like a Black Mirror episode yeah yeah uh, that would be cool um, but I I uh, that would definitely make me laugh, you know, of just seeing these yeah. characters. Uh, if, maybe if it's like live action and you sort of have, similarly to how they did Riverdale, they took all of like the Archie Comics characters who are these lovable, very cartoony characters and made them, you know, hot buff <laughs> people. Um, you do that for this, so it's, you know, uh, a six foot five buff Italian Mario, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I think that could be really funny. But I'm good, I'm good. It might be the sort of thing that only works, like you say, for an episode, or maybe yeah. it becomes the next big, uh, you know, teen teen novel movie. Yeah, 
I'm going to say this to someone who's never watched Riverdale. When you've not watched Riverdale, it's hard to know how good Riverdale is because yeah, everyone either it? seems to think it, it's the, the best thing on TV or it is absolutely awful. Yeah, the, I mean, the only real scene I've seen from it, have you seen that, that clip uh, where he, Archie is talking to the guy about playing high school football? No. It's so funny. It, it's like it, it got shared around as like, a, you know, and people say Riverdale doesn't have good dialogue. And it's this one kid who's like, whenever I was seven, I was drug, I was a drug mule because my nana was in hospital and I was selling drugs to pay for his treatment. And then it, uh, Archie goes, well, then you have never known the highs and lows that come with playing on a team in high school football. <laughs> <laughs> and it is so funny because this is said with full sincerity, like the show isn't a parody, you know, it, that's not a joke that's like that's what the writing in the show is like and i don't know if that's just one particularly awful scene or if the whole show is like that but it made me laugh so hard you watch to, i think you can watch the that. show ironically because i mean if there was if there was stuff like that in every episode i just think it would be the funniest thing i've ever seen yeah i would keep coming back to see see what ridiculous thing they say this week yeah, yeah. um like, i don't know i'll maybe give it a go see if it's because yeah if you could watch it ironically it would be hilarious yeah, like Alan yeah, Partridge. Mario Party. That's my that's my pitch. Yeah. Like Alan Alan Partridge writes a teen series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I uh, I had a couple of other little ideas. But do you have anything else um, before we close it? I did have a thought. I, I, I'm not check this out. I just. <laughs> You know how you get video games based on movies and whatever? Mm. <laughs> Just as an experiment, I want to give someone like the video game of a movie that they've never seen and tell them to make a movie based on that video game just to see <laughs> what it comes out like compared to the original yeah, movie. Yeah. See yeah, I think that would be really funny to see someone try and make a movie version of a video game version of a movie. <laughs> But also in saying that, there are definitely video game plots that I would love to see in a movie. I think like the Batman Arkham games, uh, I would love to see a, a movie, uh, you know, a Batman movie where he's trapped in Arkham Asylum fighting through his, his rules gallery. I think yeah. that would be a really cool uh, plot. Um, so there's definitely, it, there are definitely some things that could work with that. Um, that I think gives- video games have done really well. Give someone the entire Metal Gear Solid series and tell them fit this into a too hard movie. <laughs> oh no, they probably try to. <laughs> I I don't think Metal Gear would work. I mean, Metal Gear doesn't make sense in the video games and the story. <laughs> it's, it's completely insane. Yeah, you'd you'd run into the problem of trying to make, uh, you know five to ten movie series to, to explain what happens in the games and by that stage a new game would have come out that retconned all of what the previous story was yeah. you know uh, so that, that's a risky one um, but yeah that's that's sort of all I had I struggled a little bit with this just because I don't know much about games to be honest uh, a lot of games I play are very much the, the basics and 
also the, the other problem I came in ran into was the there's there's very few games that they're not already making movies of. Yeah. Um, they're making a Texas movie. Did you know this? And I don't know what that's going to be about. Oh, I I thought it sounded ridiculous. But then did we not talk about this? And it was actually a biopic about the like the legal case surrounding Tetris. Um, perhaps. I I okay, that would be much more interesting. I'm hoping it's yeah. that uh, all the different states just have different personalities. Like emoji movie. Yeah, it's it's like the emoji movie, but they're all just different states. Ian McKellen is the L block. Patrick Stewart is the square block. Of course, of course. Uh, yeah, definitely. You get Meryl Streep as the long thin piece. And, uh, um, but yeah, I I don't know. If it, if it is the biopic thing, that makes a lot of sense. That's yeah. pro- that that's probably what it is. That's arguably uh, an easier way to make a movie than trying to bring Texas to life. Yeah. Uh, mean- but that just about finishes us with with our movies from games discussion. I, I have fun talking about that actually. I think there's mm-hmm. some. I think we had some good ideas there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. It's definitely interesting. I think. The ver- I think. We- Hopefully, they've brought some uh, interest uh, um, amongst our, as you said, gargantuan listener base to some <laughs> games that we think are interesting, especially in terms of story. I mean, I th- I think I would caveat everything with saying that video game movies are almost always cursed and that you could have the yeah. best source material ever to start with, and you may still end up with a completely crap movie. So basically yeah. all I'm saying is the last hour's conversation may have, in the grand scheme of things, been completely pointless. Well, look, that could, <laughs> you could say that every week on this podcast. <laughs> could be the tagline for the podcast, let's be honest. Arguably pointless. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think also in saying that... Um, something that makes a great video game doesn't necessarily make a great movie and vice versa. So, you know, you could have a, a video game that the story would lend itself amazingly to a, a movie, but yep. as a video game, it's awful and the other way around. Someone's uh, so, going to get it right eventually, though. Like, just I, all... Just, I do think so, yeah. Law statistics, someone will get it right eventually. Yeah. And the Mortal Kombat movie does look good. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a movie. <laughs> gonna have some some action in it. Gonna be some some punching. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to see that, and we'll see if that uh, see if that can break the curse. Uh, but that brings us into our next segment, which is Have you seen this? Is where we talk about what we've been watching or doing this last week, and uh, have a little chat about it. So this week, uh, I'm actually gonna keep in with the theme and and departure from what we usually say. And I'm gonna say. Look, have you played Spider-Man for the PS4? Well, yes, I have played Spider-Man for the PS4. I did actually know that already. (laughs) Uh, um, I'm very late to this party, I know, but I just recently got Spider-Man PS4 and completed it this last week. I I finally completed it, or this week. Uh, Time is a blur. Uh, (laughs) But I, I finally completed it, and I absolutely loved it i think it is just an incredible game another one with great story in it but obviously it wouldn't it wouldn't be worth talking about that in this week's episode i think they're i think they're planning on making spider-man movies so 
<laughs> we won't bring it up. But yeah, I, I thought it was was great. It's just, I mean, great gameplay. Obviously, I, I like pretty much everything about it. But I thought the story was also just incredible. Some some really great moments that were just felt very very true to the Spider-Man character. I think was the best thing. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not gonna spoil it, but um, one of the last scenes I just think is it it just was perfectly synonymous with the character. Uh, I I thought, and I'm I'm a big Spider-Man fan, so. I loved it. Loved collecting the different suits. That's probably my favorite thing about the game. Uh, getting in all the different Spider-Man suits. I have some some absolute favorites. Luke, do you have a favorite Spider-Man suit? Uh, I can't remember. It's been a while since I played. There was one that was sort of like, um, it was it was one I used. that was kind of like futuristic, or sort of like metallic and gold and stuff. I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, my my favorite Spider-Man, there's my favorite Spider-Man costume just across all media, so from comics and, and everything, um, is the Scarlet Spider suit, which is the, uh, the basically all red suit with the blue hoodie over it, with like the, oh, yeah. the Spider-Man logo on it. I, I absolutely love that suit. I don't know for any particular reason. I just always loved that suit from the comics, so I was so glad that they included it in the game. I was swinging around in that a lot. Like that looks great, and um, that's I like the, any one. Of the homemade looking kind of ones as well. I think they they're always. I think it's just uh, an extra bit of charm to whenever it looks like he's made it himself. You know. Yeah, I also really like to think you can unlock this. It was like the in the style from the comics, like the original Spider-Man. Yeah. Symbiote like suit. Gone. Oh yeah. Symbiote suit. Oh, I I've not unlocked that then. Sorry. Uh, no, I was yeah. going to say there's one that is in the sort of comic book style. Like it's it's all drawn and it's got a black outline, sort of cell shaded, which I think looks very cool as well. And yeah, pretty much all the suits in that game look great though. So I think it's a very cool game. Um, but no, yeah. I don't think I've unlocked the symbiote suit yet. I'm still still working through completing everything, you know. But that that's really cool. Yeah, I platinumed it. So just saying, that's the benchmark. Nice, fair play. I'll get there. Uh, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Uh, but what have you been? What have you been doing this week? I don't even really think I've watched any TV. So for I think the third week in a row, I'm gonna have to go for a his, historical pick and uh, say, uh, <laughs> have you seen Arrested Development? I have seen Arrested Development. Yes, not all of it actually. I I only watched a few seasons, but I'm I'll I'll get back to it eventually. I really like Arrested Development. Yeah, no, I've not seen it all either. I've seen series seasons one to three, which are like the main ones to watch, apparently, as long as you've seen yeah, them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. So, I mean, Arrested Development, for anyone not aware, is a sitcom entered on the dysfunctional Bluff family uh, who, go, who, have their, who are a rich business family you have their assets frozen after the patriarch of the family is sent to jail on corporate fraud charges. I think that's it. And Michael Bluth, uh, the the son of the the father who gets sent to jail, has to come back and run the family business and save them from the verge of bankruptcy. Uh, yeah. What what sounds like it might be a somewhat formulaic thought actually is a vehicle for one of the weirdest sitcoms 
<laughs> I've ever watched, whilst also simultaneously being incredibly funny, uh, mostly yeah, based I, I on Arrested, Arrested Development. I just think is is hilarious. Um, but yeah, like I said, is very bizarre. Yeah, mostly based on the strength of. I think what I, by the end of it must have been the hundreds of running jokes. I think it's the surrealness grounded in a realistic environment. Like mm. it's it, it's just like weird stuff happen that that can maybe happen, but just wouldn't happen in real life. Like yeah, uh, Tobias Funke covering himself in blue paint because he wants to join the blue man group. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. It's it's. It's only a few degrees past what would happen in real life. So I think that exactly like you're saying, it's not that you believe it would ever happen, but it's it's very close to what could conceivably happen that makes it seem so, I don't know, real or so sort of, it just amplifies it so much that you're like, God, I can almost believe this happening to these characters, you know? Um, it is it is very, very funny show, uh, which I am a big fan of. Um, but yeah, I... I think there's quite a lot of recommendations actually in this week's episode from games to shows uh, to everything else we've talked about. We've kind of gone through a lot of things. So um, if you've enjoyed listening and you think anything we talked about was interesting, absolutely give it a go and let us know what you think. Uh, that just about brings us to the end of this week's pod. Look, anything else you want to say or will we close it off? Uh, I would like to say that check under your bed tonight. That's not to you, Reese. That's just to the listener. It's just to the listener, yeah. Um, okay, well, this has been the Crack and Banter podcast. Uh, thank you very much for listening. You can find us on our socials. We're on Twitter and Instagram, Crack and Banter Pod. Uh, you can listen to the podcast anywhere that you normally listen. We're on YouTube as well. We have a subreddit now. Um, you can find us there. If you want to send us an email, if you have a question or a request, you can send that to crackandbanterpod at gmail.com. Most cases, no underscores, crackandbanterpod at gmail.com. Find us there. And if you go to any of our socials, we have links there that bring you to everything else as well. So there's no worries. You can find us somewhere, I'm sure. We're, we're getting more and more professional. Um, and reachable by fax. Reachable by fax, as you say, yeah. Uh, we like to sometimes do a little shout out for local brands that we like or local businesses. So if you have something that you're working on, if you have a... a short film or you have a podcast of your own a, a local business whatever if you want us to shout it out in the podcast get in touch we would absolutely love to do that um i'll shout out this week because i shouted them out on the lost episode the, from a couple of weeks ago the podcast episode that was sadly lost but i would love to shout out um ni streetwear collective they're a, a clothing brand from belfast based i think and uh i've, I've known them sort of vaguely I've, I've bought a lot of their stuff before and I sort of worked with them a couple of times. They're really great guys and they make some awesome clothes if you're at all interested in streetwear and that sort of thing. Absolutely check them out. And um, they're really, really great. That's NI Streetwear Collective. Um, a very cool local brand. Uh, but that that's us done for this week. So thank you very much for listening again. Look, you want to close us off? Uh, thank you for listening to the Crack and Banter podcast. Weather and traffic updates will follow after the news. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.